It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. My name is Greg Frank on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg at G underscore Frank 6 for the rest of my sports takes, food takes, movie takes, whatever's on my mind. Sometimes I'll peruse around the Bird app and float some thoughts out there and have a little fun. So shoot me a follow on those two accounts as I want to shout out our Jack of All Trades producer uh, and occasional host Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven and at full underscore slate underscore pod is where you can find him. Of course, that podcast account is the um, you know account that we promote our content from. And, uh, you know, he's very funny with a lot of the, uh, particularly the baseball tweets when you just need some action. So, um, you know, certainly follow those accounts and um, we will uh, pump out the episodes uh, when we see fit here as we, uh, you know, move along into the spring and towards the summer. It obviously dries up a little bit uh, from a gambling standpoint, just sports in general, fewer playoff games on the ice and on the hardwood to bet on. Uh, but we do have a golf major each month, and we do still have two more Triple Crown horse races. But with both a Triple Crown horse race this weekend and the uh, second golf major of the year, we felt that the uh, golf major would be a fun way to jump on and uh, for me to just run through some buys and fades for the PGA Championship at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York this weekend. Uh, and so I'm just going to give out some names. Uh, we try and keep these a little bit more concise, a little bit more short and sweet. Do some research on guys I like and, uh, you know, take it from there. Take it or leave it. I'm just a guy that's betting just the way you are. Uh, I just happen to be talking to a microphone. So I like to think that makes me a little bit more educated or at least trying to give you a lesson. And really all I'm doing here is sharing some of my research on some of the guys that I landed on and will be steering clear from uh, this weekend. So without further ado, I I do like to say, generally speaking, when it comes to the golf tournaments, I like to sprinkle the outright market uh, just for the rush of the whole thing and, 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 you know, having those longer priced tickets. I mean, even the favorites, you know, are still usually uh, anywhere from seven to one or longer to win the tournament. So, uh, you know, if you're depending on how you're divvying up your bankroll, uh, you can still make a decent price and a decent uh, return on your investment with some of the guys closer up to the top of the odds board. Uh, and and that's kind of what we're trying to do here is dissect uh, who might really be live all over the odds board to win. And then, of course, there's all sorts of other ways that you can uh, bet the tournament. I will definitely dabble with some tournament matchups Round matchups, those are probably my favorites uh, just because uh, it, it is a little bit more of a uh, traditional bet where you can just kind of lay your minus 110, minus 115 juice and, uh, you know, 
I try and just keep most of my bets in that same uh, juice range and, uh, you know, obviously try and hit 54, 55% is what we're all shooting for. So, um, you know, the matchups are kind of priced like that. But certainly if there's a guy that you like who is a longer price and you don't think he's, he can win, but you can top 20 him, top 30 him, you know, maybe a, a make-the-cut guy, you can get at a plus price. Or if you want to fade a guy in the miss-the-cut market, you can get a good price there if he's one of the top guys. So uh, I, I, that's why I just try and just give out buys and fades for these tournaments and, um, you know, kind of leave it up to you as to how you what your book offers, your books, plural, if you have multiple outs, and um, what you like the best because that can vary a little bit with each golf tournament. But my favorites are the outrights and the head-to-head matchups, whether that be for the rounds or for uh, the entire tournament. So without further ado, I'll start with uh, my – I'm going to give out six buys. And usually what I try and do, I, I like to give out more buys than fades because I feel like um, – you know, obviously, if I'm betting in the outright market, I'm betting them to win the tournament. So, uh, you know, that's something that is, indi- is, you know, more of a buy signal. Anyway, a buy bet. Uh, and, uh, you know, I also feel like from a research- researching standpoint, it's easier. Like, you're going to find more content from, you know, golf experts. And, uh, you know, certainly there's more data also that backs, you know, who might play well at a certain course. And, and conversely, there's... Equals amount, equal amount of data that would back somebody that maybe whose game might not be as conducive to a certain golf course. But I will admit, like, golf is a very much, like, this is a very educational process for me as well as I don't follow the sport year-round. And so uh, a lot of this, too, for me is just reading up on who's playing well and, and, and to an extent who's not. But the people that cover the sport are going to write more about who's playing well coming in and, and who has a chance. And even if they're not writing from a gambling slant, uh, I think that they're mostly looking to highlight who can win the thing. So again, from an informational standpoint, that's kind of where my head's at. So what I like to try and do is I'll try and find a couple guys at the top of the outright market who I think, uh, despite the shorter price, are worth the investment in. A couple guys in the middle. And a couple of long shots uh, just in the event that that ticket is live come Saturday or Sunday. And you want to say that you had, you know, remember when Y.E. Yang beat Tiger in, I think it was the PGA Championship, you know, over a decade ago. If you want to say you had that golfer, I think Jason Duffner, I think it was the PGA that he won, Keegan Bradley. There have been some long shots that have come through uh, in the past uh, at, at all these golf majors. It's not common, but it's happened before. And if you want to leave with a good story to tell, we try and throw a few darts at the end. But we'll start with the guys at the top. And I'm just going to go back to the well on Xander Shoffley. I feel like a bit of a broken record. He was my pick at the Masters. Um, I like another guy at the top. Maybe a little bit more here this week. But um, Xander, uh, like I said, I'll probably do this at every major until he finally wins one because uh, he, it feels like he's too consistent not to. Is uh, he's priced in the 12 to 15 to 1 range, uh, depending on where you shop. And uh, it looks like my book has him at 12.5 to 1. And um, the one thing that maybe is a little bit of a concern here with this golf course uh, is he's not the longest of drivers. And it seems like a course that will shoot just straight drives off the tee. Uh, conditions seem to be uh, a little bit damp and colder, which uh, you know might result in balls not bouncing as long off fairways 
um, if that, you know, now it sounds like there are some favorable landing spots on fairways where you can catch a good bounce, but all in all, if you can just generate more power off the tee to begin with, that might help you a little bit more. That maybe is the one uh, kind of more so above average and not elite part of Xander's game. I mean, he's he's so good uh, basically everywhere else. And uh, it is worth noting that uh, he finished at the uh, Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow uh, second uh, in that event earlier in May, and that was a uh, very long course. So it's not something that I'm very you know, put off by, uh, and he's exceptional in all of the other strokes gain categories in terms of the approach shots, the short game on the green. Uh, he's just obviously one of the best golfers in the world, and I look at those strokes gain metrics uh, and then try and – match them up with the different courses and how they might play uh, as far as which areas might be more conducive to playing well. And Xander, like in all the different spots on the golf course from a strokes gain perspective, grades out pretty well. Um, and he also ranks 12th in bogey avoidance this year. Uh, and, and that's just really important anytime you want to try and win a major championship is to grind out your pars, get up and down when you miss greens, and be able to you know, shoot, uh, you know, an even par round that could have been four or five over, you know, because I don't think that, you know, even major championship winners are always going to be able to shoot 67, 66 uh, every round in, in, a, in a major championship. Uh, and so being able to manage your game when you don't have it at your best and avoid bogeys, grind out pars, get in the clubhouse with an even par round that could have been four or five over, I think is, you know, a testament to how good some of these guys can be in the bigger moments. So all of that makes me think avoid bogeys really good once he gets to the approach shots and around the greens. I And, and, and the, the game off the tee isn't going to kill him by any stretch. And I, that second-place finish at Quail Hollow certainly makes me feel like uh, his game is right where it needs to be, not only uh, the fact that that's a longer course and he played well, but I always try and just gauge the recent form because golf is so mental, right? And, and being able to come in playing well, uh, I think just has to help the confidence for these guys when they get to the – uh, you know, golf course for the week. So uh, Xander Shoffley, again, somebody I will dip back in at, at uh, 12 and a half to one. I got him at uh, another guy that I feel like is long overdue and uh, will get a major championship in due time. Patrick Cantlay, 16 and a half to one uh, started working with Joe LaCava. And if you don't know that name, he is a former Tiger Woods caddy. Um, and so, you know, Again, going back to the intangibles and the mental element of the game when you're just out there by yourself, somebody that has been a, a Tiger Woods caddy in the past uh, certainly has to, I mean, it can't hurt, right? And, and being able to impart some of that wisdom uh, from one of the greatest to ever play onto a guy that is one of the better players on the tour right now and uh, just for various reasons, uh, getting close but not over the hump. Maybe that's a part of a, um, you know, like a, like the mental like over the hump hurdle that it's kind of like the uh, football coaching staff that brings in the you know, coordinator that has, you know, the, the Dick LeBeau types or the, you know, whoever it is that has done a lot as a coordinator and assistant, but you know, maybe just isn't cut out to be a head coach, but he can really help the head coach kind of find that elusive uh, 
Super Bowl ring or you know offensive coordinator that's the quarterback whisperer that helps the quarterback get to another level like maybe that's kind of uh, what Joe LaCava can be for Patrick Canlay and um, you know I, I think anytime you're talking about guys at the top of the odds board uh, like in this case Canlay and by the way I should also stress this is not me saying I don't like John Rahm I don't like Scotty Scheffler there's only so much time that I want to spend in running through these guys and uh, it, it's about picking and choosing uh, so I wanted to get that out of the way um, but when you're talking about guys at the top you want to be able to see a, a consistency where there's no let up from an event to event to an event, week to week basis, and in the case of Canley, we've seen that so far in 2023. He's played 12 events, and he's finished in the top 25 in 10 of those 12 events. How about six top tens and three top five finishes? So, I mean, he's just littering his, uh, you know, 2023 resume with good finishes and. Uh, that makes me feel pretty confident that he's at least going to get to Saturday come moving day uh, with a chance to put himself in a position to get to a, a final group on Sunday or a penultimate group Sunday, third to last group, whatever it ends up being. Uh, and, and and that's all you can ask for when, when you're betting these guys in the outright market. Uh, last thing on Cantlay, first in strokes gained off the tee so far this year. So while I talked about how maybe that's the one part of Xander Shoffley's game that you say, I hope it holds up. Um, Cantlay, very strong off the tee. So Xander and Cantlay, my two guys at the top of the odds board that I will definitely invest in from an outright standpoint uh, this week. Uh, let's get to a couple of mid-tier guys, and I want to go with a younger guy next. And I believe I talked about this on the Masters podcast. I'm going to go to with the Chilean Joaquin Neiman, who comes in this weekend at 65-1. to 1, I'm seeing him at. I think some books have him a little bit longer. Um, but regardless, I, I would bet him down below. Like I felt comfortable at sixty-five to one. Uh, and when I said I believe I mentioned this on the Masters podcast, Joaquin Neiman is a live golfer. Uh, and if you're, you're just listening and not as familiar with the way the live golf tour works, they don't play as many events, which was part of the allure for some of the older guys like Phil Mickelson and guys like Brooks Kepka who have had injury problems. Uh, of course, there was a lot of money being thrown at these guys that ultimately did defect and go to the live tour. But the scaled back schedule for the more veteran type players was part of the appeal. Now, I mentioned Neiman, you're like, well, he's not an older guy. He's only 24 years old. But for some of the guys that, like, that other golfers that joined the Live Tour had different motivations. And, you know, in the case of Neiman, uh, I don't know this. I'm, you know, this is more so just speculating, but I would guess that the younger guys would go to Live to secure some more money up front and just go for the financial security play uh, that Live had to offer. So, that would just be one angle behind a younger guy going to live. But as it pertains to handicapping the live guys in the major championships, um, lesser named live guys aren't going to be priced super high because they don't play as many events because the tour just, there's not, a many, not as many events on the tour. And the ones that you do play are only three rounds. Um, so you don't see as much of them. And I think sometimes uh, that unknown can create a little bit of a longer price uh, when it comes to whatever market you're betting them in in the major championship. And so um, 
you know, he's a younger guy. And I think sometimes that unknown, particularly with a guy that just hasn't played that much anyway, it also is worth noting that on the amateur rankings, well, before he turned professional, he was one of the best amateurs in the world. And you might be like, well, duh, like he's on the pro tour now. But like, my point is, relative to his peers, he was always one of the high-end golfers. And that's why I think we've seen so far at 24 years old, uh, in three of the four majors already, he's finished 23rd or better. So it's not like the guy doesn't have any game. And so it's a matter of just getting to the bottom of how good that game is. And I think somebody like that, who is on the live tour, not playing as much, a younger guy to begin with, um, is intriguing in major championships when the fields are going to be huge. You're going to have a bunch of guys. And therefore, his price, in my case here, I'm seeing 65 to 1 that you can get him at. And I think his skill level is better than that price indicates. So that by itself makes me think uh, that that's a guy that I want to invest in. Um, long off the tee, another guy, like I mentioned, with Cantlay, where you know he can hit the ball long. That's going to help at Oak Hill this weekend. Um, and I hope this weekend. I hope he makes it to Saturday. Uh, and uh, the course in general, I mentioned too, it, it, there are some landing areas from what I read that can help you get some more distance as well. So um, I I think that this could be a guy in three, four years, you know, is, is contending for majors on a regular basis. And so I think kind of getting out in front of that with a younger guy, uh, particularly, again, some of that live stuff, I think is uh, worth noting. Uh, and in terms of not playing as much, but in a weird way, actually, that being a little bit beneficial towards the handicap here. Top 10 finishes for Neiman in the last two live golf events, and he finished 16th at the Masters last year. So, uh, again, it's not like the guy doesn't have game. Uh, and at 65, 70 to 1 at your book, uh, I think he's worth a little bit of a sprinkle because I think the talent is there, and there is an up arrow for this guy uh, moving forward. So Joaquin Neiman, a mid-tier price guy for me. Uh, this guy's a bigger name and um, uh, certainly a veteran, but not necessarily a washed-up oldster. And uh, how about a little post-type sleeper for Ricky Fowler as uh, he's going to be the next guy I want to talk about here as um, he's at 55-1 to 1 at my book. And, y- you know... I say post-type sleeper because Fowler, ironically enough, we transitioned from Neiman to Fowler. Fowler was Neiman's age about a decade ago when he was routinely competing at major championships. And, you know, going back to the guys we talked about earlier, Xander and Patrick Cantlay, guys who are continually brought up in the conversation of best golfers that have not won a major, that was Ricky Fowler for a good three, four years there from, you know, 2011 to 2014 in that neighborhood. Um, but he was really young then. And so it's not like like the guy's career is shot. And I think that some people felt that because his golf ranking dropped very far down. But I will remind you, the last two PGA championships for Ricky Fowler, tied 23rd last year, tied 8th in 2021. And his official world golf ranking now is up to 49th. Just last September, so less than a year ago, it was 185th. So, 
that seems like your prototypical post-type sleeper in a guy that, you know, at least the recent couple years, the billing was more like, well, you know, he certainly had some chances, but it's not going to happen for Ricky Fowler. And finding his game a little bit, it appears. Um, Played Oak Hill in 2013 and tied 19th in, I believe, the PGA Championship. So, uh, you know, it's not a bad result and certainly something that uh, he could maybe lean on, albeit it was a decade ago. Um, So, you know, I, I talked about the 23rd finish last year, 8th the year before that. None of those are, oh, he's right there, he's going to win the damn thing results necessarily but I think in some way it at least I'm trying to highlight the fact that he doesn't appear to be washed and his strokes gain metrics in a lot of different spots on the golf course seem to look pretty good not elite but like good enough to where you think okay like he could put it together for a week um as far as other PGA Championships uh, finished tied 12th in the 2018 PGA Championship. I mentioned the 23rd and 8th, the last two. All you know, 12th, not that long ago, five years ago. Uh, and his best finish is a third in 2014 when he was seemingly knocking on the door all the time and just never won in that four to five year stretch in the beginning of the 2010s. Uh, last thing on Fowler, top 15 in each of his last four events. So, I mean, his recent form is there. Like, top 15s, 19th at Oak Hill in 2013, PJ Championship, World Golf Ranking going way up. This is a big name that is priced like, just another guy. And, you know, while his results aren't indicating that he's he's not littering the scorecards each week with top five finishes, um, but I think post-type sleeper is the perfect label for Ricky Fowler. And, you know, I mentioned how mental this sport is. This is also why I think it could make him an interesting outright bet. Unlike some of the other guys that are priced further down, he's gotten himself into this, these positions, albeit a while ago, where he was first page of the leaderboard, top three, top four, top five on Sundays at majors. So, you know, how would he handle that kind of a situation on this Sunday? I don't know, but at least he's been there before at one point in his career. So, you know, the guy's in his mid-30s, Maybe there's, like, a random Ricky Fowler major win. It would be a cool story. And I think his play at least indicates that he's got a shot. So, Ricky Fowler, somebody to consider. Uh, Him and Joaquin Neiman, some of my middling-priced, you know, 35-70-1 to to area, you know, those kinds of guys where it's like, well, they might have a chance, but, you know, they're not the favorites, but they're not necessarily—I don't think of them as long shots either. 
Uh, long shot to me, I think you got to be 75, 80 to 1 or longer. And I'm going to give you a couple guys uh, that are worth a sprinkle in the outright market as long shots. Starting with Corey Connors at 80 to 1. I mentioned the forecast a little bit cool and damp in Rochester. Corey Connors a Canadian, so, uh, you know, probably none too, you know, unfamiliar with those kinds of conditions growing up north of the border. Uh, and he's a good ball striker. So, that should allow him to just gain more distance uh, relative to the field uh, if there are some, you know, suboptimal conditions uh, in Rochester this weekend. Uh, and he can thrive gaining shots off the tee and on his approaches. And I think that anytime you're further down the odds board, you know you're going to be dealing with some kind of, um, you know, blemish or some kind of uh, black mark. Uh, on the repertoire of skills, recent form, whatever it might be. Uh, and in the case of Connors, you know, it would be the putter that we don't, we don't know as much about. Uh, but I think if he can get there and just give himself enough birdie opportunities with some strong tee to green play, um, he would be somebody that, you know, you're just crossing your fingers to an extent, hoping that the putter runs hot. Uh, for a couple of days, but certainly his tee to green play seems to be good enough to where he can have chances to make birdies, and it's just a matter of if the, if the putter can heat up for him. So, um, you know, combination of the conditions, the golf course seemingly boding well for his kind of tee to green, big hitting style, good ball striking, uh, and also he has played well in most of the majors in his career. The U.S. Open has gotten him pretty good, but he's got top 20 finishes in each of the other three majors. So again, if you're talking about, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying with Fowler, where you know I don't want to act like top 20 is uh, blowing anybody's socks off, but when the further down the odds board you get, the more I'm just trying to indicate that, okay, like you're going to give me somebody at 80 to 1, and you're going to guarantee me right now that the guy's going to finish in the top 20 – Yes, that, that's somebody that I might consider in the outright market. And again, to my point that I mentioned in the beginning of the broadcast, there are a bunch of ways that you can bet these golf majors. And so if you don't think the guy can win, but you want to bet him at a plus number at, you know, three to one to finish in the top 20 or whatever it ends up being, then shoot your shot. Like, I'm not going to knock you on that. Again, these are that's why I just say buys and fades, guys that I want to invest in, guys that I don't want to invest in. I usually like to just bet the guys in their outright market anyway because if I say, hey, I kind of like this guy and then I don't bet him and he wins, I'm going to be kicking myself. So Corey Connors, 80-1, to 1, good pedigree at the majors, uh, save for the U.S. Open, and uh, seems to have the skill set off the tee to at least give himself a shot to make a lot of birdies. The last guy at 100-1, to 1, I'm going to go with the uh, Dane Thorborn Olsen at 33 years old. He's a seasoned veteran. And again, we're just looking for some consistency here. We're looking for, I mentioned the top 20s, we're looking for guys that can just get to Saturday, make the cut, and we'll see what happens from there. Um, and Thorborn Olsen has made eight cuts this year in eight events played, and he leads the Euro Tour in scoring average. So, um, you know, that's got to count for something. And so I don't have as much on him, but a longer shot that I think is a dart worth throwing given really what stood out to me was the eight cuts in eight year, excuse me, in eight events this year. Um, that kind of consistency, I'd like to think, uh, can at least, again, get him to Saturday 
uh, perhaps one round away from knocking on the door a bit. And, uh, you know, again, understand that these outright tickets can be blow up in flames by the middle of the afternoon on Friday. But because of that, if you're giving me somebody that's got a chance to at least make the cut or they feel good about there, uh, you know, at 101, it's a dart throw that I think you could do a lot worse on. So Thorburn Olsen is the final outright play for me. Uh, let's wrap up with a couple of fades. And uh, usually with the fades, I want to go with bigger names. I want to go with guys that, you know, maybe are priced very short who you don't want to invest in at the top. And that's what I said, like, I, I, earlier on, I'm running through Xander and Cantlin. I said, like, I don't think that necessarily don't interpret that as, oh, why do you not like Scotty Scheffler? Why do you not like just John Rahm? You know, that's, you can't bet them all at the top of the odds board. Like, and some of them are going to struggle at the majors and not be good bets. And actually, matter of fact, there's a couple of those guys here that are my fades for this PJ Championship. And one is going to be Rory McIlroy. I read an article in the New York Post that seemed to indicate that there's still a bit of a Masters hangover going on with him. Remember, he missed a cut at Augusta, and that has been the major that has just plagued him throughout his entire career. He's had nine chances there to complete the career Grand Slam and has not done so. So um, it seemed like just in reading, there's a column by or a story by Mark Canzaro at the New York Post, and he was talking about how, you know, his demeanor seems a little bit off, like his uh presence at the podium seems a little bit disinterested there's a little bit of a resignation emptiness and uh, those are i'm paraphrasing but those were kind of some of the vibes that canizero at least and i'm sure a lot of the other golf media members were picking up from rory mcelroy so does that sound like a guy that you know at 12 to 1 you want to invest in and a guy that you want to use in matchups against the best golfers in the world. Uh, and, and again, like golf is such a mental game where if a guy like Rory McIlroy doesn't have his best stuff between his ears and like he's not super confident at the moment, obviously that can't be quantified by the bookmakers. Like they have to put Rory McIlroy towards the top of the odds board. But he doesn't seem like that kind of player right now that's super confident and is going to go out and shoot 65 on Thursday and be one shot off the lead or something. So, uh, you know, I mentioned the miscut at the Masters. Um, and also, the other thing about his vibe and demeanor that I saw, he's kind of distancing himself from the PGA Live Tour fighting that's been going on. And he did not shy away from dipping his toes in those waters plenty. I mean, he was swimming in the deep end, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of fighting the good fight for the PGA. And now he's giving very quick, abrupt answers, a little bit more reserved. And uh, I think that all kind of checks out with the, you know, Masters hangover, something going on with Rory McIlroy. Finished 47th at the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow. And uh, Trevor Immelman, who recently started doing coverage for CBS Sports uh, and was on their Masters, Masters coverage, said that he did believe that the post-Masters struggles are real and are hurting Rory McIlroy. So no thank you on Rory McIlroy this weekend. I'll also say no thank you to Justin Thomas. 
he is the defending champion, so fade at your own peril there. Uh, but, you know, first off, I kind of like that in some ways. Like, how many times do you guys win the same major back-to-back years? Thomas beat Wills Torres in the playoff last year at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Um, missed a cut at the Masters, much like Rory. So maybe some similar vibes there. Uh, just one top 10 for JT since the beginning of March. So that's another thing where if the recent form doesn't indicate they're one of the best players in the world, then the gambling price is going to say that based on who they are and knowing that you're going to get a lot of casuals that come in and bet the guys at the top of the leaderboard, the big-name guys. So that by itself, miscut the Masters, one top 10 since the beginning of March, makes me think that JT is not going to be worth an investment based on his pricing in various markets this weekend. Um, Short game woes have also been a problem uh, for JT. And that's a concern because the way I liked Xander in the beginning, I was talking about how well, you know, off the tee, you hope it holds up, but you know he's going to be good on the approaches. You know he's going to be good around the green and on the green. Um, And he's going to, I mentioned the bogey avoidance with Xander. Well, that's where you wonder if JT's having problems with the short game. Does do some rounds of 70, balloon into 75, and does it knock him out of contention? So I'll pass on Justin Thomas. And my last fade is going to be another guy that I faded at the Masters. Uh, Same thing. It's Max Homa. He's been a mess at major championships, and he's played well in a lot of other events. Uh, But the pricing at majors kind of indicates his strong play at other events and his major championship track record continues to be piss poor uh two straight missed cuts by the way after the masters where he finished tied 43rd um so uh, basically some of his other results indicate that he's good enough uh, even in like strong fields he's good enough to win those non-major events or, or be right there and so he's good enough to win a major one day but i don't think it's this time around for max homo who comes in not playing that well with a bad track record at majors, that's the kind of stuff where an even par first round becomes a two over par second round and you're hanging on just to make the cut. Uh, and, and, and those are the kinds of guys that when you're priced at the, you know, closer to the top than the bottom, uh, which is a case for Homa, uh, it's usually just an avoid for me. So, uh, yet, yet again, I'll pass on Max Homa. So, again, just throwing some names out there. Uh, you can fade them in matchups. You can black them in matchups, outrights, top fives, top tens. Uh, you can do the, like I saw uh, somebody suggested betting Thorborn Olsen as the top Danish player in the field. Like, you can do those nationality props. Whatever floats your boat. The whole point of me jumping on here was just to throw some names at you, and here we are now 35 minutes later. I think I've talked enough. So that will wrap things up for us here on another edition of Full Slate, a gambling podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. Hope everybody enjoys the PGA Championship, the Preakness, Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs, and, of course, some baseball as well. Still a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, Again, I'm Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, at G underscore Frank 6 on Twitter. Follow Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore Up 7. And, of course, the podcast Twitter at Full underscore Slate underscore Pod. And we will do it again whenever we decide to do it again.
Again, this has been Full Slate of Podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. Thanks to all for tuning in. And of course, please play responsibly.